Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant Baldwin, and I am honored that you are here today, wherever you are in the world, however life is treating you. It's good to have you here. Appreciate you. I've mentioned this a few times, but if you haven't already, many of you I know are interested in speaking. Maybe you know that I am a speaker. I do a lot of speaking. So we put together a free email course for you called Get Started as a Speaker. You can download that totally for free by going to bookedandpaidtospeak.com. Again, that's bookedandpaidtospeak.com. Check that out and download that. Again, totally free, nine email course, helping you figure out what do you want to speak about, who you want to speak to, how much should you charge, what tools do you need, all of that we explain in that free email course. So check that out. Again, bookedandpaidtospeak.com. All right, for today, we've got my friend Lisa Woodruff, who is a professional organizer. So if you have uh, chaos in your life, physically, digitally, this is the gal who comes in, she sees the mess, and she makes the mess not messy anymore. So we talk about how she's built her business. She has a blog now teaching people all about this. So you can check that out as well. We talk a little bit about that. So check that out in this episode. If you're looking for the bonus material, you can always download that by clicking on the link within the show notes. Lisa and I talk a little bit more about organizing life and if someone wants to become a professional organizer, what they might do. So definitely download that and check that out. All right. Let's get right into it. Here's my interview, my chit chat, my conversation with Lisa Woodruff. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend Lisa Woodruff. She makes people less sloppy. Is that like, is that accurate? Is that fair? I like that. We can go with that. You know, I always try to put like a different spin on it. Like we can call you what you are, but that seems, I don't know. I just like to make something up here. So it's early in the morning. We're doing this interview. We're just trying to figure out what it is that you do. So rather than just making people less sloppy, why don't you give us a better description? What is it that you do? So officially, my title is professional organizer, but I just figured that out a few years ago. Basically, for the last 40 years, I've been helping people around me get more clear about what they want to do by clearing up their space so that they could see what they're really good at. But I'm a professional organizer, and I can help you organize your space or your thoughts or your business plans, things like that. I think a lot of times when we think of a professional organizer, I know at least for me, I'm thinking my closet is a mess and I need some help or my pantry or I just need some help like structuring stuff and I need little cubby hole boxes or something to put things in. So is it some of that, but then also even just kind of like I have all this stuff just swimming around in my head and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it? Absolutely. So when I go in to organize people, usually what they've done is bought a book about how to organize yourself and they've gone to the container store or the organizational aisle at Target and spent $100 and can't figure out why they aren't organized yet. So it's, it is containerizing and organizing your space. But once I got into the professional organization market and was a blogger, I realized that there are so many different kinds of professional organizers and so many different areas of your life that need organized. And everybody who's a professional organizer focuses on a different area. Like there are professional organizers that just organize your computer or professional organizers that will organize your corporate business. I don't do either of those areas. I organize photos, paper, your home. Those are the areas I like to organize. Gotcha. Okay. So why go that route instead of some of those other options? 
you mean why go the home route instead of the corporate route? Right, right, right. Or corporate or digital or any of the other types of, of organizing that could be out there. I come from a teacher background. So it's kind of like, why would you teach kindergarten instead of English at the high school level? probably because I can't spell, but I can, you know, sing little songs with four-year-olds all day long, or I could teach math to a middle schooler. Like you have your own unique skill set. And sometimes you think when you go into a profession like accounting or whatever, that you have to be good at everything an accountant does. And that's not true. Like professional organizers are as broad as teachers are. So you have people that would be college professors down to preschool teachers in the professional organizing field, just to kind of give you a sense of it. And it's not until you really start organizing other people that you realize, oh, I can really speak to a homeowner or a corporate woman about how to get more organized. But if I went into that corporate woman's corporate office, I wouldn't necessarily be the person to help her get her team organized there and their computer systems. That wouldn't be what I'm good at. Gotcha. Do you think that like inherently most people want to be organized? They just don't have a clue with it? Or is that something that can be taught? Or like, what's your thoughts behind that? Thank you so much for asking this question because <laughs> everybody thinks that they're either born organized or not born organized. And even as a professional organizer, that is the message I heard. And after I started working with clients, mostly who were either depressed, had ADHD, or who had just experienced a big life-changing event like divorce or the death of their spouse, I realized that everyone can be organized. I thought you were either born organized or not. But once I would set up the systems or look at how they use space and talk to them about their systems and we set up their house in an organized way, they were able not only to maintain their house, but to go into other friends' houses, family members' houses and help them get organized. And I realized, oh my gosh, it is a skill that is taught. But I didn't realize it was a skill that was taught until my clients started organizing other people and I realized they had learned the basics of organization. Do you find that you just go into some houses or people's homes? Do you find many of like the hoarder cases where they just have a ridiculous amount of crap? Very, very rarely. Like I think one time, like usually this is what happens to 90% of the people that call me. They were maybe never totally organized, but everything was functioning pretty well until something happened. Their spouse lost his job, their child got sick, the economy collapsed, and life starts moving faster than you can move, and everything starts to collapse around you, and the way that shows up is in your finances with debt, in your weight, you know, you you gain more weight, and your house becomes unorganized. And then you come out of that crisis, or you get to the end of that crisis, and you look around, (laughs) remember that show with that little raggedy and all which goes, who made this big mess? And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even see my floor anymore. And you don't have the tools to get back organized again. Like you need to get back to square zero again, where you can maintain this, but it's gotten so out of control and your life has been so out of control. And usually you're in a new stage then, like maybe your kids were in preschool when this crisis started and now they're in middle school. So you can't organize the house the way it was 10 years ago. You need to organize the way the house, the way your house is now. And so sometimes you need a professional to come in and say, hey, I will help you do this. Let's get back to an organized house and then you can maintain it from there. Gotcha. That makes sense. So not only are you doing this as an actual service, but you also run a blog and and talk about this and teach about it. Yes. I have a blog, podcast, and app products. Yeah. My goal is that everybody in the world would have the tools available to them to just go ahead and organize their own homes. Gotcha. So is it possible for 
for most people to be able to do this on their own if they just go to the uh, container store? I assume like when you go to the container store, you just just a little kid in a candy store and you just geek <laughs> out about life and all the, the little boxes and the different sizes and the colors and the shapes. And it's so is it just thrilling to you? It is. But here's the thing. <laughs> containers never solve the problem. And 99.9% of the time, we don't buy anything when we're organizing people's spaces. The only thing we usually buy are like those Ikea 16 cube units where you can put things into different cubes. We almost never buy the organizers because it's not that you need different organizers. It's that you need to make decisions on your stuff. So clutter is delayed decision making. So you put the paper down because you don't want to finish the action or you don't clean out your closet because you don't want to admit that you're not that size clothing anymore. So you could just keep shoving more stuff in there. You don't need a bigger closet. You need to make decisions on the stuff you have in your closet, usually. Oh, that's gold. That's just good. I hope that sinks in for people. And that's so true. I think a lot of times we we look for like some type of tool that will solve the problem when really the, the tool is not going to do anything. So if I want to get more organized, buying uh, like with my time, buying a new planner or calendar doesn't magically save the day. Correct. Gotcha. All right. So let's backtrack a little bit on how you got into this. So you said you were a a teacher before. Is that what you'd been doing basically full time up until you got into organizing? Yes, I had been doing a lot of things. I've always had a bazillion million different jobs. So even as a kid, I was a babysitter. And when I was a teenager, I went out and decided that babysitting was my thing. So I was going to market that. So I found four doctor's wives and I had them as clients, as babysitters. And when I was 14 in the summer, I told them, I said, okay, summer is coming and you're going to want to still play tennis and get your nails done and your hair done. So I will watch your kids all day, one day a week. Like I'll come over at 8 a.m. and you leave and you just have the whole day for yourself and go to the grocery store by yourself and then go out to dinner with your husband that night. And I will watch the kids from eight in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And you will have one day a week just for you. And one mom who had five kids took two days a week. So Monday through Friday, I was booked babysitting and then they would always book me on Saturdays. And when I was watching these kids, I would also organize their houses and just do all kinds of stuff. And so I'm a busybody. You're a mother's dream. I know. <laughs> One of the people that I babysat for, she just ran into my mom a couple weeks ago and she now has twins. She was a twin and she has twins. And she goes, I'm trying to find a Lisa for my kids <laughs> because we did all those things. And I went on vacations with that family and everything. And I love organizing. And, and when I was a teacher, I taught the Montessori way even before I taught at a Montessori school. So I always had individual lesson plans for each of my kids. And I'm always trying to find out how to take a person and pull out the best of who they are and take them to their next level, whether that's teaching or babysitting or or coaching them in business or any of those things. And so that's what I did. And, and I did it in a variety of different ways. I was in direct sales and I tutored and I just did a lot of different businesses trying to figure out how to take that skill into something that was actually a business. And nothing I was doing was actually a business until I was 40. Okay, so, uh, so it sounds like you're doing a variety of different things in there. Are you enjoying the things that you're doing, or is it just kind of like, eh, I mean, this is okay, it, it brings in some income, but it's not, none of this is really what I want to do or nothing that I'm necessarily looking forward to? Or what, how are you kind of feeling about these various jobs that you're trying? 
So I loved every single one of them. Like I loved every job that I was doing. I was making money at every job I was doing. But the problem was when I would go to a networking event and they would say, what do you do? Well, I would one year I had nine Schedule Cs on my tax return, like nine legitimate businesses. So I'd be looking at this person going, well, do they need a tutor for their kid? Do they need their house clean? Do they need custom photo albums made? Like I was trying to guess what product they needed so I could answer the question. And I was like, Lisa, this is ridiculous. Like, so you can do all of these things, but you've got to pick one. And I didn't know how to pick one because one was not the answer. It was the fact that I was good at organizing in all of them, which made me successful in all of them. And it wasn't until I had this epiphany at 40 and really looked at everything I had done over the last 20 years and realized I was successful in every single one because of the way that I taught people how to be organized about that thing that they were trying to accomplish. It wasn't what I was teaching them to accomplish. It was that I was teaching them organizational skills or tricks or organizing it for them. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about that process because I think a lot of people are in that spot where there's a lot of things I like. There's a lot of things I enjoy. There's a lot of things that I'm good at. There's a lot of things that could be potential career paths. So how in the world do I narrow it down? So it sounds like you kind of found that common theme among all of them. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But as you're looking at those nine options that all could have been legitimate options, why didn't you just pick one of those? Well, it was during a really stressful time in our family. So none of them were making the income that I needed them to make. It was during the downturn in the economy. So it was 2006 to 2012. And I couldn't find enough clients for any one of them to make enough money to really focus on that one. Gotcha. Okay. So as you're looking through these nine different options that, again, it sounds like are all decent options other than the uh, the financial piece, what are the other criteria that are kind of going through your mind? Are you writing these out and just kind of prioritizing them and, and based on preference or potential or like what other criteria are you looking through as a kind of a filter? Yeah. So I come from a really long line of entrepreneurs on both sides of my family. And my father died in 2009 and he had his own business. And my sister and I had to be the executor of that estate. And a couple of things were happening with our family. And I was looking at that. And at that time, I think it was like 37, 38. And I thought, okay, this is the time. I have this small inheritance. This is the time where I'm going to really start whatever my legacy is going to be. And that's when I really started looking into like these different things that I had done. I'd been in direct sales. I had cleaned houses, done teaching, done tutoring, all of these things. I couldn't figure out that organization was the thing. I thought the thing that I was good at was advocating for kids with special needs, kids that are adopted. You know, some they always say, go after what you're passionate for. And I realized that just the life experiences that had happened to me were not necessarily a business. And it took me about 18 months to realize that. And in December of 2011 was when we kind of hit our rock bottom. Our kids had been, or our one son had been at a learning disability school for three years that was very expensive here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we had to pull him out and put him in public school at the beginning of the 2011 school year. And that's where our daughter was as well. And about six weeks into that school year, we realized he really needed to be at that learning disability school. So we put him back there. And then our daughter had some health concerns. And I quit my teaching job in December of 2011 because my husband had been taking so many days unpaid to take care of her. And it didn't make any sense anymore you know, that I was working at this part-time teaching job. It just was a mess. So I had to quit my job. So I quit my job in December, 2011. And our son just went back into this 
expensive learning disability school. And a couple months later, we put our daughter into that same expensive learning disability school. And at that point, I was looking at all these different job options. And I realized that I was never going to be able to make enough money on my own, even if I worked 80 hours a week, to meet the needs that our kids and our family had and the debt that we had incurred as the economy collapsed and I had to take care of my dad for a couple of years. And so I was really at a low place in December, like, what am I going to do? And, and my husband said, you need to get back in direct sales. Like, that's what you made good money at. People follow you. You can sell a product. That's what you need to do. And so I found a direct sales company that sold organizational related products. And I thought, okay, well, I know the way to sell now is through a blog and through some kind of your own platform. So I'll start a blog in January 2014, which is Organize 365, in order to grow this direct sales business. But quickly, I realized that was not the path. The organization was the right path and to do professional organizing. But that's how I kind of made the shift was I got to the bottom and there wasn't a job that was going to pay me enough, I had to create my own job. Interesting. Sounds like you had a lot of life happening at one time. <laughs> An exorbitant amount of life, yes. <laughs> so how do you, like when you're in that season, I think again, plenty of people can relate that and maybe it's not that exact situation, but we all just have various things that are going on that just makes it just puts this cloud over life that just makes it really difficult to like think clearly and to like make uh, like good long-term decisions. So how do you process all that while well, that's all going on, realizing that I've got two kids that need to be in this school that maybe at the moment I can't even necessarily afford, but I know that that's the right thing. And I know I need to be making some big career shifts. And I know I'm also trying to take care of my dad who's having health issues right now. How are you just making the space to, to process all that? So I'm a pretty positive person and I'm pretty action oriented. So I just figure if you move faster, maybe it can't hit you, you know, like just keep trying to move faster and faster. So I think that's what I did when I was trying all those different businesses, like which one is going to stick. And it's taken a long time to build Organize 365 to a brand that is recognizable and has blog traffic. But luckily, the professional organizing hit pretty quickly in that 2012 and that started to get enough traction that we were able to start to be able to meet the needs of the money that was coming in and going out, not necessarily paying off the debt, but at least start to make traction where we could start to pay for what our day-to-day -day expenses were. It's not really something that I can really answer, I guess. It's more of a gut feel. Like I could have stayed in teaching, but that was never going to make the ends meet, or I could have stayed in something that was more safe, but we would be even further in debt now than we are. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. don't know how to explain it. How do you kind of process that that spot where you're in where you're going, okay, these other things I may be better at or have more potential with or more passionate about or more interested in, but the reality is like right now I need money. And so I'm going to go this route because it has the maybe the best potential for me to to make a living. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out like for someone that may be listening to this going like there's a bunch of different options that I'm interested in. This option over here, I'm more passionate about, but that option over there, I could make more money. So how do I kind of rationalize between the two? Yes. So I think because I was raised by entrepreneurs and I saw that all the way back and I know that I think it's like 
66% of millionaires or something like that are home-based business owners, like our small business owners. I know that there are a few ways where you can make a good income. You could be a doctor, you could be an accountant, you can be a lawyer, or you can own your own business. So I know that owning your own business is the ticket to exponential growth and unlimited income potential and also unlimited debt if you don't do it correctly. So I was banking on that direct sales company and growing that direct sales company and becoming a leader in that one like I had been in the previous direct sales company I was in. But luckily, the reason why I was selling that product so well is because someone said to me, I was having these really big parties. So you just have to kind of follow your intuition. So as soon as I started that business, I was having these gigantic direct sales parties, like 19 people would come, 21 people would come, 25 people would come to somebody's house on a Tuesday night to learn about plastic containers. And I was like, this is not normal. Like people don't come to Tupperware parties or Mary Kay parties and 25 people show up. You know, I've been in direct sales long enough. So I said to the hostess, I said, why are so many people here? Like. <laughs> what did you tell them was going to happen at this event? And she said, well, everybody wants to know what a professional organizer has to say. And I thought, oh, I'm a professional organizer. Like I was so close to it. I couldn't see it. I had been organizing people's houses. I had been doing coaching. I didn't realize it was professional organizing. I didn't know what I was doing. As soon as she put the words to it and I put a different page on my landing page, page on my blog, I had jobs the next week and I enrolled in a class and I, I learned how to grow my business, but I was profitable from day one. And it was the service side of selling the professional organizing that was profitable right away versus the long-term scaling of a brand like Organize 365. I think sometimes when we see brands that have grown or blogs in particular, or podcasts, you know, they take two, three, five years in order to be profitable, but a service-based industry is profitable right away. Like if you tutor, if you clean houses, you get paid that day for that service. So if there's any part of your business that can be a service-based industry, then start the service first and make the quick cash there and then grow the vision from that. Yeah, totally agree. And and that was one, I'm glad you clarified on that because that was one of the things I'm, I'm kind of rattling in my mind of going, okay, you need cash in the door immediately. So building like a, a blog that's really, it can be very, very profitable, but it's also a, like a very, very long-term play. But it sounds like for you that the blog was just part of it, but really the thing that really started gaining traction very quickly was actually offering this as a service whenever people began to recognize you as this is the go-to person for home so you've created the blog, but you're also providing the service just to to just to people locally, correct? Correct. And every time I got sidetracked on the blog, and I would spend you know weeks or months on the blog, and I would realize, oh my gosh, we're not making any more money anymore. I'd go back to the professional organizing because I don't know why. I saw bigger bloggers that were making money and I thought the money is in the blog and that's not true. The blog is the platform, but the money is in the services or the product you sell or the coaching. I don't know why. It took me like three years of going through the cycle to realize that. It took me a really long time because the message I was receiving was start a blog and you'll make money. It's not true. So today, the bulk of your revenue still comes from the actual service that you provide of going to people's homes or offices or wherever and providing the actual organizing service. Yeah, it's been 80% and I think it's now at 65%. Yeah, it still is the bulk of the revenue. Okay, so then the other pieces of the revenue, that comes from the blog? Yeah, you know, it all comes from the blog, but you can't really pinpoint it to the blog. So it's coaching or it's selling an ebook. I have different products like that that I sell. 
I don't have my income list in front of me. Look, there are a few ads. I do finally make money from advertising, but those are mostly the income streams. Gotcha. Okay. So let's say this. Let's say someone listening to this is interested in going, okay, I have kind of that knack for I see clutter and I'm already cleaning it up in my mind. I go over to friends' houses and I'm organizing their kitchen for them. So if I wanted to do this as a career, what would be some of those early steps to actually go about creating a business around this thing? So what I have learned by helping people in professional organization is I have a free Facebook group called Professional Organizers Think Tank, and there'll be a link to that on the page that I made for you. But there's a printable that I have that are the eight steps to growing a professional organizing business. Most people who want to be professional organizers and they want to start it into a business immediately seek out, how do I organize for other people? And I don't think that's the right question. You know how to organize. Like you have to accept the confidence that you are great at organizing. That's just like a natural thing for you. Usually what you need help with is how to turn it into a business. So look at how do you make a business from a service industry, not how do I become a better organizer? Okay. I'm just wrapping my mind around this. So if I know, I guess then the next question would be, how do you make that into a business? So I have this free eight-step printable, and it just takes you through step one, step two, step three, step four. Like you need a landing page, you need business cards, you need things like that. We'll definitely link up to that in the show notes. But give us a couple more of those eight points then of what someone would need to do to begin to get started in the business. Well, think about what kind of a professional organizer you are. Like when I originally said I was a professional organizer, I thought everybody was the same. And now I know my specialty is photos, papers, and home organizing for the career-oriented woman, that specific woman. Like who is it or what is it that you love to organize? Like when I started, my target market was stay-at-home moms with young kids because that's what I had been. So I organized pantries and kids' playrooms, and I loved to organize that. Now that I'm a business owner, I love to organize corporate women's homes because I know when they come home, they need to have everything in one place. They usually have nannies or people that keep take care of their house. And I can organize that house without them there. But I had to spend a couple of years of organizing stay-at-home moms' houses with the moms to learn how different moms use their houses. It's not like a necessarily a one size fits all. So it sounds like once you kind of understand how to organize and then it's starting to figure out who would be the best fit, is it sounds like for you that a lot of it came from just where you were at that stage in life. Is that the most common way to figure out what kind of like type of professional organizer you should be? Yes. And what gives you energy? Like I can go in and I could help you set up systems for your children who have special needs or organize IEP binders. I could totally do that. But even saying that to you, I could feel the energy in my body leaving because as a mom, that's something I fight for with my kids, not something that brings me energy. So what kind of organizing brings you energy? Now, if you put me in a room that is full of paper and you say, I'm going to be back in eight hours, organize it. I'm like so excited. It's crazy. (laughs) I have organizers on my team that they even, if they have to go through the mail and file it, they're like, I'm done. I'm out of this job. Like they don't want to do it at all. But you put them in an unorganized storage room and they're like a kid in the candy store. So there are areas of the house and there are things that you organize that just really, really energize you. And that's what you need to focus on. And once you figure out what that area is, then you need to target that market for that service. Who is it that needs that 
area organized and then target that, not just target that you're a professional organizer. It seems like in this type of business, it would be, and again, this is just outside looking in, it seems like it would be a lot of one-off clients that I organized you, and I'm sure it, it may be a mess at some point again in the distant future, but hopefully like if you put them in their place, so to speak, and put their things in their place, then hopefully it will stay like that. Do you find that it's a lot of one-off clients, or do you find that you end up with a lot of repeat business? In the beginning, it was a lot of repeat business, but that was because I was doing two and a half hour sessions for stay-at-home moms. And they would have me come back every two or four weeks and I would slowly organize their house. Now that I send a team in and we organize an entire house top to bottom in two days, it's all one-off clients because it used to take me a whole year to do that same effect with a stay-at-home mom. It would take a whole year of organizing. Now I can do that in two days. So it is one-off clients and they don't usually refer to other people. You have to go out and get the work. So how do you actually do that then? If, if they're not actually referring, it's a lot of one and done type of clients. How do you, it seems like you're always having to fill that pipeline. So what do you do to continually find new clients? Yeah. So that's going to be why you need to know what you're good at organizing. Because if you just say, I'm a professional organizer, people don't know how to give you referrals. Mostly it's Google search. People are like, I've had it, like organize my house. So a lot of it's going to be Google search, which is why it's great that I do have a blog. Because when they see the professional organizers in the area and you go to those different websites, when you go to mine, there are 700 blog posts about how to organize your home and 68 podcasts. And you can hear my voice and you can read and you know, right there from the blog if you're going to resonate with me or not before you even contact me. So that has been a benefit for sure. And then it's going out and doing other things to get business depending on what your clientele is. If that's going to be a newsletter, that's going to be different kind of speaking events, vendor events. Just depends on who your target market is. Gotcha. So is how much of, of traffic and just new leads come from the blog and the podcast? It's not a lot. When I was advertising with Angie's List, which I don't do anymore, but when I did, it, there were only 40 searches in the entire Cincinnati area for a professional organizer each month. There's not a lot of people looking for professional organizing, but you only need three or four jobs a month in order to be super, super profitable. So it's not like you need to have 100 jobs a month. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Let's wrap up here. But I know one of the things I want to talk a little bit about, we're going to save this for the bonus round, is people that are listening to this going, okay, I don't live in Cincinnati, but I desperately need your help. And I am a mess. So what do I need to do in my own world to start beginning to organize it, to declutter and to toss some things and just bring some more structure to my life? So we're going to save that for the bonus round. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if people are interested in finding out more about you, checking out your blog, the podcast, plus these freebies you've been teasing our hearts with, uh, <laughs> Where can we go to find this all this goodness? So if you go to organize365.com slash grant, there will be the free printable for the eight steps for starting your professional organizing business. And then also a printable that we're going to talk about in the bonus round about how to plan your week on Sunday night. Beautiful. I look forward to that. I'm a nerd with this stuff, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the bonus round. We will be talking all about that here in just a second. But again, we'll uh, link up to all of the uh, those links in the, uh, the show notes there. So Lisa, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Lisa Woodruff, organizing maven, wizard, genius, all around 
cool gal. So definitely uh, download the bonus material where we talk a little bit more. So if you want a couple extra minutes, you can download that by clicking on the link within the show notes of this particular episode. Definitely download that, my friends. Hey, uh, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to email us anytime. Let me know what you're chewing on, wrestling with, what we can do to help you and support you on your journey to find and do work you love. We will catch you next time, my friends. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.